Hey there, friends. Jay Revel here. I'm so glad to have you listening in to another episode of Mid-Am Crisis. I've got a fantastic listening experience for you today. Uh, my good friend Matt Janella joins the show. You probably know Matt from his many years uh, working for the Golf Channel. Uh, he's now going out on his own. He's got an exciting new venture, a company called Don Patrol Productions. Uh, that he's getting up and running, and he's actually in the process, as we speak, of moving his family from uh, the beloved Winter Park community uh, down in the Orlando area all the way back to the West Coast, uh, to uh, the greater San Diego uh, region. Uh, he's literally packing up the family now. Uh, they're going to be traveling along with some of his uh, production confidants across the country, stopping in and uh, hosting a series of skins games along the way. Uh, Matt is such a great uh, spreader of the gospel of golf, and he takes this really high-energy, joyous atmosphere that he creates with him everywhere he goes. I've enjoyed the chance to get to know Matt over the last couple of the years, uh, spent some time down around um, uh, with him and his family at the annual PGA Merchandise Show, uh, we'll be sad not to see him uh, at his normal winter park hang as much anymore, but I know he's going to do some great things out on the West Coast, and I'm just really excited to see what he continues to produce through his new company. They've got a new deal with uh, Golf Digest and uh, the Discovery Media Group. I think you're going to see a lot of really cool stuff coming out there, but uh, we dove into a range of things. We talk about golf media. We talk about why the game is such a special uh, opportunity to bond with uh, family, friends, loved ones. Uh, we talked about just how golf is the great escape from all the troubles that seem to be popping up in our country. And, of course, we talked about you know his uh, career and, and the big move he's making. So, anywho, I think you're going to really enjoy this listen. I had such a great time catching up with Matt, and I'm hoping to see him soon as he's getting on the road. Uh, I think his tr travels might bring him through my neck of the woods on the way out west. So anyway, enjoy the listen. Matt Janella, one of golf's great ambassadors. Uh, thanks as always for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, I hope you'll give us a subscription on your favorite listening device and leave us a nice little review. Uh, but without further ado, I'm going to turn it over to the conversation. Thanks again for listening to Mid-Am Crisis. Maddie. Yes, Jay. How you doing, buddy? I'm good, pal. How you doing, man? <laughs> a lot going on, but good. You know, taking taking one thing at a time. I see you got a lot going on, man. You're. Uh, it looks like you're about to get your full blown uh, Clark Griswold on. <laughs> I hope. I hope. I hope it's some sort of adventure like that. That would be fun. It would make for make for good social posts. That's for sure. Um, yeah, just just uh, going from Winter Park to Goat Hill Park, and uh, for, from one Friday skins to another, Muni to Muni, you know, coast to coast. Um, uh, we leave, we depart Friday evening, right after our skins game, and hope to get in on Friday afternoon. All things going. Uh, well, we'll get in at Friday afternoon to Goat Hill Park on Friday the 13th. <laughs> oh, well, perfect. Uh, I'm sure that'll be rolling out the red carpet for you. Um, 
that's uh that's terrifying and exciting at the same time i know anytime you're you know starting something new moving the family across the country that's uh can create a little anxiety but but i saw this little itinerary you've got of skins games across the country to get you there uh break up the trip man looks pretty good yeah we're, we're you know that that was you know we kind of um I thought, you know, Katie and uh, and the kids and the dog are flying out on Thursday and we'll get into San Diego and um, try to find us a place to live. So we got an Airbnb in the meantime to, to bridge the gap. And then uh, and then my crew is coming in and we, we had one final Friday skins game planned on this Friday anyway. And then thought, well, you know what, if we're going to cross the country, we'll might as well keep the sticks in the back of the trunk. So we, we got... Um, we got some partners. BMW's given us an X7 to to take with us. So we got a, the U-Haul and an X7, and we got uh, we got uh, you know uh, contact with some municipals along the way. So in we're going to Houston, San uh, Austin, San Antonio, Scottsdale, and then um, and then uh, Goat Hill Park. And uh, we started calling golf courses, saying, "Is there any chance we could have kind of a uh, impromptu skins game late afternoon so uh we got gus wortham on sunday in houston and then lions muni on monday in austin old brackenridge uh, one of my favorite yeah. public courses in san antonio on tuesday afternoon and then thursday we'll be at scottsdale mountain shadows right at the base of camelback mountain that uh, converted that into a par three course which i love and then on friday we'll roll into goat hill park Oh, that's beautiful, man. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, you excited to get back on the West Coast? I am. You know, I, I left the West Coast when I graduated college, St. Mary's, in 1995 and drove my parents and their furniture. Uh, my parents flew out and my brother-in-law drove the, the, the furniture truck cross-country from Santa Rosa into Long Island. And that's when I called Sports Illustrated. I had carried cameras for them in, in the early 90s at 49er games and said, hey, I'm on the East Coast if you need someone to carry cameras. And that, you know, it started, started this whole journey, this whole adventure I've been on for 25 years. And I got an internship at Sports Illustrated, which led me to Columbia Journalism School, which led me to writing for Golf Digest and Golf World, which led me to being the lifestyle guy at Golf Channel. So, and then I drove from from new york to orlando in 2013 and played golf along the way there and then now i'm going from orlando to to san diego so kind of this big connecting of dots from northern california to new york to orlando to san diego so it's a 20 been a 25 year sort of professional path that has you know had me had three different careers working for three different companies. And now I'm kind of starting my own production company, as you know, and, and partnering with Golf Digest and Discovery Media. And so a lot, a lot of kind of full circles and big old toolbox that I take from the East Coast and bring back to the West Coast in hopes of trying to continue to tell stories about, you know, about the game we love, you know, and the people yeah. who play it. Yeah, you've kind of you've kind of iterated through these evolutions in sports media and and in particular golf media. What what do you think this next wave looks like? Um, you know, we're coming off this 
well, no, I shouldn't say coming off. We're in the middle of this pandemic and it's just reshaped everything in the world. It seems like, and, you know, golf and golf media won't be any different. So I mean, what, what do you think the next few years looks like in that space? Well, I mean, you know, what the, the, one of, one of the silver linings to what has been just a, a devastating, um, you know, global pandemic is just, you know, I, is is the game of golf and that that's that's hard to believe i i did a podcast in april with some industry leaders and and it was doom and gloom you know people were like oh my god what's happening where are we all going when what's going to happen to the game how long can we how long can some of these courses withstand just simply being closed uh and not just courses but resorts and destinations and it was, it was, you know, they had all, they all sounded like they'd seen a ghost. And then I did a follow-up with all those same people um, and coming out of, you know, I guess this would have probably been September and they had all had their best couple months. They had all sort of recouped what they had lost and then some in, in the time that they had been shut down. Uh, and we have learned uh, all the endemics are having the best year ever where, where, you know, all the courses that you've talked to, as long as they have some, some decent leadership and management are having amazing years. We're, we're seeing that the game of golf has been this great, you know, uh, salvation to kids who have lost a lot of their sports and activities to families who need time out of the house, but time together. Um, we, we see, courses being used more as parks like the Goat Hill Park, like Winter Park. That's where we went during the pandemic and threw the ball for the dog and, and took walks with, with, uh, with the family. And, you know, um, and we also talk about how the game is in such a better position to receive another wave of interest uh, like it did in the late nineties after Tiger came on the scene. Um, we, we've, we've reassessed and realized that the game was not in a good place to receive a tsunami of interest at that time. We had too many rules and regulations and restrictions and we said no more than yes. And we just sort of said, ah, you know, no, well, uh, the game is not, the game doesn't, didn't like, you know, uh, the, the, this didn't really like this idea of newcomers, <laughs> you know, as crazy as that sounds, that, that was the reality. And then we realized, okay, game takes too long. It's too hard. It's too expensive. Um, and the tent poles of the game have created things like, well, you know, in the last 22 years, we've seen the evolution of first tee PGA of America started the PGA junior leagues. We got youth on course, which subsidizes green fees. We've got, we, you know, it, it, sort of all we got top golf, we've got short courses, we've got uh, a, a rejuvenation and a, and a revitalization of municipal golf. Um, and it's gone, it's gone kind of one course at a time, one community at a time, one, you know, city at a time, one state at a time. And, you know, before we know, we're like, wow, look at what's happening to the game of golf. So um, that's a really, that's a really refreshing and positive thing. And then we also have, uh, you know, the further development of social media, the sharing of information, digital media, that's uh, that's happening on a regular basis. People have started their, you know, all these garage band production companies, um, like you know, Barstool or No Laying Up and all podcasts. I mean, uh, people like yourself who uh, realize that you don't have to have an affiliation with a big 
network or, or media outlet to try to tell uh, stories that mean something to you or mean something to your community or mean something to your following. And that, you know, that's, you know, this has just become a, a pretty cool pocket of goodness, if you ask me, you know, it doesn't mean that we agree with everybody or we we're like minded in every shape way or form not everybody's trip is the same but they're still buddy trips it's still camaraderie it's still people getting together to uh to you know i, I just got back from my buddy's trip at band and dunes uh, my friend best friend from high school is on that trip my best friend from college is on that trip but there's also the president of pioneers and president of kemper sports and everybody in between and it's this this mosh pit of of people who have a common interest in the game of golf and all the good stuff that happens around it and um, rinse and repeat. Right. I mean, just keep mm -hmm. that, keep that going. Um, and, you know, and, and I, now I have a son three and a half years old who I'm uh, gingerly, you know, introducing to the game of golf in all the right <laughs> ways, shapes and forms. And then our daughter who's 16 played high school golf and has a set of clubs and will probably be with me at the father daughter at Waterville uh, next summer, assuming, you know, we get things, you know, back to some, something relating to normal, but the, you know, it's just, it's all there for you. If, if, if you have a slight interest in the game of golf and in the last eight months it hasn't, you know, you haven't fostered that love, then you kind of miss the boat. Yeah. You know, that's, that's so well said. I, I get accused a lot of times of being an optimist <laughs> and, uh, you I asshole. <laughs> I know, <optimistic>. right. <laughs> I, and I just, I'm the same, man. I, I look at this landscape and I just go, man, you know, there's never been more funnels for people to find their way into golf. Um, you know, I think we all get kind of sucked into spending too much time on Twitter and things can get kind of, you know, we turn into debates and slinging shit at each other and stuff, but you know, it's, it, it's fun. But I mean, the, the thing about it is, is that all of that ends up just generating more, you know, eyeballs and attention to golf and, we really do have some pretty incredible outlets and I, I've always kind of laughed at the, the crowd that says, you know, golf is dead, you know, 24 months ago. <laughs> and I'm like, I, I don't, I just don't understand what you're seeing now. Granted, when you go through a, a big shift in how people are spending their time with something like golf, you certainly see, you know, some, uh, you know, a few cadavers here and there, but, um, but what's happening, I think is, you know, to your point, the game is right sizing, the game is modernizing. It's becoming, uh, something that's much more, uh, approachable, something that's much more available And the products that don't fit that demand are, are falling off. Um, and that's okay. That's, that's, you know, that's called capitalism. That's the way it works, you know? Um, so I, I think there is a lot of positive trends out there happening in the world. And I think that, you know, there's still going to be some interesting evolution happening over the next, you know, year or two here, but I'm, I'm pretty bullish on the, on the future of the game. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, no, there, there would be no reason. There would be no reason not to be. Um, obviously, you know, we're going to continue to get more efficient with our use of resources. So, um, you know, a lot of places like I just got back from Pasa Tiempo, even Go Hill Park was on potable water, so-called mm -hmm. potable water, drinking water. That's that's, you know, reclaim water is is the big deal. And then, you know, just 
the course is, uh, you know, like look at Sheep Ranch, no bunkers, you know, no sand bunkers. That's that's gonna that's gonna be, I think, what what could be potentially a, a new trend, um, and um, and and probably a cool a cool trend too. You know, if you know, because maintenance costs is an issue. The more the more we can kind of minimize uh, maintenance costs. Um, the the better you know the the easier it is going to be to to keep green fees at an affordable rate so um and so you know a, a lot of these things will keep happening this is all you know and then you know again the development of short courses so part three courses um is is uh, it seems to be the conversation i have more more and more often and i'm sure you do the same um i i know there's going to be the this the the reimagination of 18 hole facilities or 36 hole facilities or 54 hole facilities, whatever the case may be to, Oh, well, maybe we don't need, maybe we don't need 36. We'll go to 27. Maybe we don't need 30, you know, maybe we don't need 18. We'll go to nine and a three hole, you know, kids court, you know, this is going to keep happening. Um, because quite frankly, we had too many generic, you know, 18 hole overpriced, you know, under delivering, uh, too hard, <laughs> you know, that we, we had an oversupply though. So you, you talked about laws of economics a little earlier, just sort of the idea of, you know, supplies and demands. The demand is very high right now for a facility in which we can go and, you know, to use the, the basketball analogy, play three on three or two on two or half court mm -hmm. basketball, play pig or horse or one-on-one -on -one or, or just, or just shoot around, you know what I mean? And, um, so that th th that demand is high, something that is cost effective and time effective, and um, and so so if we keep you know if we keep building those and we keep having those experiences and being able to afford that stuff, um, you know that again it just it all just keeps evolving. This is an evolution. Golf is was never going anywhere. It just was under uh, extreme pressure to to make changes that made sense. Sensibility, you know what. Yeah. What's wrong with that? No, yeah, exactly. And, you know, I, I think an important part of that, too, is there's, there again, you you, met, you rattled off a whole slew of these, but there's so many more ways for people to discover that these other options for golf are available. You know, just, just today I saw, you know, Rob Collins was posting a picture of a, a six-hole reversible course that he's laid out, you know, for so, a client. Yeah. So, and I'm like, man, damn, that's so cool. You know I mean? We, yeah. you know, in one day you could, you know, you could play it both ways. Maybe, you know, you got a 12 hole. That's a great day. Um, but you're seeing just this sort of, it's like the shackles are coming off the game where people are going, Hey, well, you know, this, oh, yeah. this really can look a whole lot of different ways. I, I always like to use the expression, you know, uh, golf in small doses, you know, th there yeah. ought to be, there ought to be a, some small facility for golf, um, in every town in America, whether it's just a putting green in the town square or a six hole reversible course, like Rob's talking about building or a goat Hill or just a really great, you know, uh, driving range. I mean, all of those yeah. things just, that's the key to me to, to keep in the grow the game. And I think one of the things that I've always enjoyed about your work is you tell those stories very well. And I think that, you know, when I'm looking at you, I know, you know, you're going through transition, moving the family across the country, new production company up and running. Uh, I'm curious what kind of stories you think um, you're excited to get out and tell next. 
Well, I'm, I'm, I'm already, I'm, you know, the, the, the podcast that I started the fire pit is um, I did season one, 15 episodes. And then we had a couple bonus episodes uh, that were more timely and more sort of topical, but, um, and, and those were those again, again, uh, as you know, I mean, a, a podcast is such a cost effective way of trying to tell stories and it really kind of happened out of, out of, out of, uh, the, the the pandemic and and being quarantined and feeling like okay I'd done all my house sort of projects that I had ch- you know wanted to do and revamp some closets in the backyard and I thought well I mean we could what is this podcast thing you know I kind of always thought I would have one it would be a byproduct of some of what we were doing and then it just got it one thing led to the next and it and and even within the season it evolved as as a way of telling a story with multiple voices, one story, multiple voices, we're stringing those together. And, you know, uh, and, and it's, you know, the fire pit being like, that's a place where you go and listen to stories or tell stories and kind of a, uh, a communal little area that, you know, was inspired mostly by the, the, the fire pit in the trees at Bandon Dunes. And then, and then, so I'm already halfway through season two. And it's like, for me, I can't, I'm just looking to find great stories and then figuring out ways to tell them. So uh, cut them up in a lot of different ways. All right. So this is a great story that can be told long form in podcast, short form, socially uh, medium form digitally, and then see what else, see what else is left over. What's on the cutting floor and where else can we repurpose that kind of stuff. And that that's the way I'm looking at everything now. So for me, I've got a list of like 60, you know, last time I looked 64 different story ideas of either people tipping me off on something or kind of go back and revisit something, or this is something I've always wanted to, t- this is always a story I've wanted to tell. And I've, and, and I'm already halfway through, I'm, ar- you know, I'm already sort of, you know, halfway through season two of starting to, to bank these interviews. Um, I'm in a bit of a transition right now. We kind of had to shut down operations a week ago and we'll shut it down now for the next 10 to 14 days as I get, I get reset up in, uh, in the West coast. But I'm, I, I can't be more excited about, about what, what I'm about to, what I'm about to share with, with the, with the community, you know, that, that I've built over years and just trying to, just trying to, I just follow my nose, right? Like, that's what we just do. Like if we see something, Oh man. Yeah. Well, maybe if I, I should talk to that person, you know, Nancy Lopez, Lanny Watkins. Um, I've got a very close relationship with Tim Rosaford, who's battling, you know, Alzheimer's right now. And I've been spending a lot of time with him, taking him to Palm Beach par three every week, having these little sunset, you know, rounds of golf with a guy who, you know, his, 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 his brain is being attacked. Um, and um, just watching what it does for him as he tries to make pars and birdies from 70 yards while the, you know, the ocean is crashing in the background and the sun is setting and we're having a beer together. It's, you know, these are just, it's just golf is life as you know, better than anybody. And, and, uh, you know, that it, it just kind of all blends into one. And so pulling off these little nuggets or these moments or these, these reflections and, and stories uh, from these people who love, you know, who are good storytellers is that's going to be my whole motivation. Yeah, that's, that's well said. I mean, you know, I sit there, I think about what you were just talking about with, um, you know, Rose Ford and being out there with the sun going down and waves crashing and um, chasing a lot more than just the golf ball, obviously. But Mm. I think about, you know, I, I played with my, 
grandfather on Sunday. Uh, and my brother's been in town for a few weeks, uh, came in town for our member gas. He's leaving, uh, today actually, and going back out West, but you know, we got to chance to play my dad, my granddad, my brother all together. You know, we get to do it, you know, maybe a couple of times a year. You know, my granddad's 86. So, mm-hmm. you know, you always sit and think, okay, I, you know, every time you play that, you don't know if you'll ever get to do it again. Um, mm-hmm. Just being realistic, but man, he, he made a 50 foot birdie putt on the last hole from off the green. And he points at me. And he just says, got my number. He made it to shoot his age. And, wow. you know, and just sitting there and I just was like, man, that was so damn cool. And I'll yeah. never forget that. I mean, you know, those, those moments yeah. you get like that are so unique. And, and you, you know, you're not going to get that playing basketball with your friends underneath the city lights. You're not going to get that, you know, on a tennis court. You're not going to get that. Um, in so many other ways, but golf to your, you know, what you were saying, it, it is life. And I was up in front of this <clears throat> crowd talking about my, my book the other day. And I just kind of was blunt with him. I said, Hey, this is not a book about golf. This is a book about life. And it happens to be set in golf. And then, and I said, if you, if you've ever met anyone that you share a bond with through the game of golf, I think you're going to like it. And, um, that's my favorite thing about the game. And every time I find, an opportunity to connect with someone like you or just anyone else in the game. I'm always just amazed at the depth of those life experiences that everyone has through golf. I mean, it is, it is the universal connector. It's the reason that when you see that person, you know, uh, who's a total stranger walking through the airport, who's got a familiar golf logo on, uh, you smile and you want to go talk to him or the same thing. If you're halfway across the country, you light up when you recognize the golfer, cause you know, you're going to have that, that commonality and that shared bond and you can immediately almost become friends. It's just, it's such an incredible game. And, um, yeah, I, I've always enjoyed watching how you are, uh, a wonderful ambassador for it, man. Well, we're all in it together. You know, I mean, you're doing, you're doing a lot of the same, you're doing a lot of the same kind of spreading the, spreading the love, you know, and, um, and it's all true. I mean, I just, you know, I'm, I'm going to be, have this last skins game here at Winter Park. Um, you know, the game keeps going on. we got a couple guys who are going to take it over and, um, and, you know, it's, it's not that complicated, right? It's just guys show up, you know, and guys and girls, men and boys and girls and women. And it's been a whole, it's just been this great little community melting pot of, of like-minded people and quite frankly you know people have come from a long way away to, to, to part yeah. it just blows me away it's been you know ireland canada australia we've had we've had people from all over uh who participate and and i've now watched those people some of those people i i drive down the street i, I just saw the other day I'm, I'm driving down i always pass the golf course to get home and i saw a couple people who i know met at the skins game who were out playing golf together, putting out on the fifth green. And I thought, how, how cool is that? How cool is that? I know they met at the skins game and now they're playing golf separately together as friends. And that's, but that's happened a lot. I know people have just simply become friends and are doing things not only with each other, but with each other's families because of meeting at this little, you know, 
random spontaneous Friday skins game. And I get calls all the time, Jay, where people say, Oh, what, how do you do the skins game? I want to get that going in my community. How, how do you, how, how'd the winter park nine get redeveloped? How did it, and it's all about, it's all about just simply a, a commitment to community. You know, if to, to redo the golf course or to save a Muni or to save a golf course you care about or because it's in your town, you've been playing it since you were a kid, which is what John Ashworth did at Goat Hill Park. He's the ultimate kind of link soldier and leader of, of for, for me. He's my my mentor on so many things, golf and life and, and one and the same. But that's just it is like it's it just comes down to, you know, control what you can't like fix what you can what's actually tangible where where can you have an impact community right there that golf course down the street get involved start something it doesn't take much and if and over time you look you you blink and you go wow look what's happening here this is something real this is really having an impact on people's lives and if we all did that <laughs> you know then you get down to what you're talking about which is then there's something in every town and yep. what's wrong with that not a thing. I mean, you know, and that's one of the things I always think about in those scenarios, right? Is like these things are not hard. They do require some effort, but they're not they're not particularly hard. Um, the hard part is just showing up regularly and, yeah. and, and putting that effort in. And you know, I always wonder, you know, why our game doesn't do a better job. And maybe it's maybe it is starting to happen, but some of the ruling bodies, some of the uh, uh, the big organizations in golf. Why is there not a, a more obvious playbook, you know, for for people to just kind of be able to say, okay, here's the playbook and for how to build a community uh, at our golf course. Here's the three easiest things I can do. Um, I just always am curious, or, or maybe why there are just so many places that that aren't willing to put in that little extra bit of effort. I don't know. Well, you know, I, I remember John Ashworth and I had a lot, a lot of conversations about similar things like how can, what to, you know, what to, and at the end of the day, and this is what I, I know he preached to me and what I now preach to people who ask is, is, is you've got, you know, if you sit around and wait for the USGA to save the day, it's never going to happen. Mm-hmm. If you sit around and wait for the PGA of America to come in or Augusta national or, you know, uh, you know, like youth on course started Northern, Northern California golf association and went from one golf association to now like 35 or 36. They're now in Canada. They, mm-hmm. you know, they, 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 you know, they are a victim of their own success in that they've got so many golf associations, so many kids being signed up now, right now in, the, in these last eight or nine months, they've got to like, you know, they, they, they've got to, they got to really buckle down and on these funded, but they, if they sat around and waited for the USGA to come in and help them, they would have never expanded. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're doing it. They're doing it on their own and they're going one golf association to the next, to the next, to the next. And now, you know, eight years later, they're having a significant impact on that affordability factor by subsidizing kids rounds of golf by making sure they're not paying anything more than $5. That's, impact that and it's not just to try to get kids playing golf it's to get kids on golf courses to have the types of life experiences that we know that we've had that we continue to have that we now want our kids to have right and be able to afford them uh, be able to afford to have them have those experiences and but my point going back to it is it's it's about just 
to, to, you know, the passion play, you know, I give my wife a lot of credit when I started the skins game, you know, that meant every Friday afternoon, if I'm in town, I'm going to winter park nine and she's never had a problem with that. It's down the street. It's our community. It's, it's, it's that kind of camaraderie. She knows, you know, she knows I work hard. I play hard. She, she doesn't, she didn't look at that as she didn't resent it. She embraced it. She came out and helped me. She comes out at the end of it. She brings Bandon out and he runs down the fairway and sees me come up the ninth. Fairway. You know, he, that's inspired his love of the game by just being around it, by seeing, like he calls everybody on the golf course, my friend. We pass the <laughs> golf course. He goes, there's dad, dad's friends, you know, and in a way he's kind of right. They are, that is the way to look at it is we're all friends here. This is our town. This is our, this is our park. It's winter park golf course. Goat Hill Park. That's why John wanted to call it. Look at it more as like a park, a place to, you know, to, to get together. So it's those passion plays for people who love the game, yes, but also more importantly, sort of love their community. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I, I think that's so spot on. And, you know, every time I think about the future, particularly like of municipal golf and, and you know, Florida for as much kind of crap as I think our state gets for, you know, maybe not having a lot of the right <laughs> golf products in Florida. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, that's accurate. Uh, we do have, I mean, you, you've talked about a few, I mean, but we've got some of the best shining examples of municipal golf in the whole country. I mean, winter park obviously is one model that's just done terrific. Mm. Uh, the Palm beach par three is just mm. an exceptional facility. Yeah. You go up into Jacksonville beach. I mean, what those cats have done up there is so awesome. Yeah. And there's numerous others. And yeah, you know, and, and these things, like you said, they're, they're contagious. You know, you, if you ever visit a community that has it going on, it makes you want to go back home and, and, and find that little spark at, uh, at the place that you love. And, and we, and we are seeing that start to spread, which is just super cool. Yeah. And I, and I, and I, I suspect we'll just continue to see more of it because I think, you know, you know, unfortunately, when you talk municipals, you also unfortunately have to talk politics and mm-hmm. um, credit to the mayor here of Winter Park at the time, Steve Leary, uh, for mm-hmm. knowing what he didn't know. He, he plays golf, but he's not really a golfer. And there is a difference. People who play golf as opposed to being like golfers, right? Born mm-hmm. and raised around the game. And, you know, he's been doing other things in life and was put in a position to, you know, and some, some passionate locals came to him and said, I think uh, this golf course needs help. Uh, we're a hundred years into it. it. You know, it's, you know, has, there's been nothing done to it. No, no investment into the, it's losing 250 grand a year. I think if we spend a little money, we can actually turn things around. It's got great bones, great history, great location, you know, and to the mayor's credit, he said, okay, well, let, you know, let's get an advisory board and tell me what I, tell me what I should do here. I want to hear some plans. I want to hear some thoughts. I want to hear some ideas. And then let's, let's figure out a way to, 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 to end with 1.2 million. Uh, he hired the right guys and they did the great job that they did, Keith and Riley. And then you, now you, now they're making 150 grand and that's with really no food and beverage. And that's, that's without, that's sort of just simply making a better golf course. And then they got a ton of national recognition because they did it so well and because it is what it is. And the timing was right, you know, because this this renaissance and and, uh, revolution, so to speak, is happening in terms of, you know, short golf, nine hole golf, community golf. But in that, 
you had a politician who was who was a, the right-minded uh, politician who said, okay. And then, you know, he gets a lot of credit for it and it, and it ends up being a great thing for him. Got him reelected for sure, uh, in part, because that's that, that you needed to get that. I tell people, get a local politician who's going to realize, oh, wait a minute, I can look really good. If I get behind this, I can, I can potentially get reelected. If you get them on board to looking good, you know what I mean? Oh, I yeah. say, everybody, find a local politician. You know, that's what John had at Goat Hill Park. That's what they've had at places like Pasadipa where they needed to kind of convert the water. You know, that's Keeney Park, Weak Wake. Uh, Canal Shores is now uh, in the process of trying to um, do what they need to do to try to, you know, make that uh, uh uh, sort of, you know, enjoy the, the 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 fruits of whatever labor is going to go into that. You know, sort of revamp that. You know, Chicago, um, Chicago. It's uh, you know, I wouldn't call it municipal because it's actually sort of you know funded by themselves. You know, yeah. it's not, there's no city city money there. But uh, you got to you got to do a little digging and say, okay, you got to play politics in a municipal situation unless they just give you the the keys to the car like they did to John Ashworth, which is what Oceanside did and said, look, we can't do this anymore. We're terrible at managing golf courses. You do it. And that is, therein lies the rub there. You know, most cities are not good at managing golf courses, managing the game of golf and all that goes, goes with it. Like I said, there's difference between being a golfer playing the game and being raised a golfer. You know what I mean? Um, And most of the times if you get politicians involved, they might play golf, but they're not golfers, and and that, that that's a problem. No, that's spot on. I I was having a conversation with our city manager here in Tallahassee about two weeks ago, and we just were kind of talking about you know the game, and and you know he grew up playing same thing, but he's not you know not really a golfer. Um, and you you realize that you know you have these scenarios all over the country with municipal facilities where. You have people who kind of are golf adjacent or golf familiar running these things. You know, they're, they're, yeah. they're run out of parks and rec departments. And there's just such a, even though you want a golf facility to, to, to feel like a park, it, it just, the mechanics of it are so different. Yeah. Um, and when you don't have that intimate knowledge of the industry and how to, you know, which levers to move it, it can it can result in some pretty hefty losses in a damn hurry. And, you know, I I think that's one of the things that, that, you know, if there was a a blueprint, like we were talking about, maybe it doesn't come from one of these big major organizations, but if we can get some of the people who have cracked the code, you know, on some of these local levels, Mm -hmm. I mean, you've done a great job, you know, trumpeting these things, but they can say, Hey, here's the, here's the five step playbook for how to improve fortunes at your municipal place uh, and give people a little bit of a good, a good place to start. I think it could help, but you know, all in all, I think, you know, I, I do think you're going to see because of the amount of people who have come back to golf during uh, and because of the time made available to them uh, in this pandemic, I actually think you're going to start to see some positive pressure back on municipal golf that counteracts some of the, um, you know, there is an anti-golf crowd out there that wants to sort of shut some of these places down. But, 
you know, you see things like the National Links Trust and what they're doing up there in D.C. You know, you're seeing a, a, a bit of a, a pivot there, I think, to get a, that reverse pressure to get get these things back in line. Yeah, Cobb Creek in Philadelphia. Cobb yeah. Creek in Philadelphia is another one where, you know, friends of Cobb's Creek, they, they've spent years. They've had the money, right? They've had the interest. They've had that. They had that local passion play that we've talked about. And it took them years to get this all through all the mechanics of the politics and the approvals and the right people on the board of the right time. They finally, I mean, this has been going on for almost a decade. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that's how long it took. And they're finally going to get a chance to shut this thing down. And Gil, uh, uh, Gil and Jim Wagner are going to go in there and, and do what they've, they've wanted to do for years. But think about that. That's how long it took. I mean, you know, that's going to be that's going to be a multi multi million dollar project um, that's going to pay huge dividends uh, now and the foreseeable future. You know, that a, a kind of dividends that could go on for decades in terms of a community and having a safe place for people to go with their kids, for kids, with their family, with their buddies, with the with their significant others, with their dates, with their you know what I'm saying? You know. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and then you know. So you got that, you got all that aspect. You've got the places like Pinehurst that re reimagined their front porch with the put putting course and the cradle, which is going to, you know, revolutionary when, you know, abandoned and what Mike Kaiser has done to, to introduce this idea of putting courses and short courses like the Himalayas old course. That's the crazy thing. <laughs> it's like all of this goes back to like the old course, you know, where they, <laughs> you know, there's dogs out there. Like, why did we ever deviate from that? Do you know what I'm saying? Like oh, where yeah. people go out there, they're crossing the fairways with their dog. There's the putting course there. They've got a wide variety of, of different courses out there from shorter to longer to wide open, strategic, find your golf ball, go hit it. I mean, at the oh, by the way, it's the home of golf. Why did we ever get away from that model? You know, um, it just drives you crazy because it's it's been all right there. It's always all right there. The business models for for private clubs is all there in, in the UK, you know, Scotland and Ireland. <laughs> and uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, yeah, uh, you know, charge a premium for people who are out of town, you know, secure tea times for people who are, quote, members, but then, you know, have availability for people um, when your golf course isn't full so that you keep, you know, the food and beverage and the sort of the staff busy. Uh, I mean, that, what, what is it really that complicated or is it, you know, I, I, there are private clubs with people who have that, that are on multiple committees and the committees need to talk to the other committee and they need to have a meeting and they're on phone calls and conference calls for hours at a time. And they're dissecting the idea of should this bunker be there? Let's take that bunker out. Let's redo that green. Before you know it, it's gotten totally away from what the original intent of the original architect is who happened to be like, you know, Tillinghast or Donald mm -hmm. Ross or <laughs> one of the greats, you know, and then you're like, Oh shit. Now we got to spend a bunch of money to go back to what, let's get those old plans and redo it, you know, or, you know what I mean? Like, it's just that there's so much dysfunction and mismanagement, but in spite of all of that, the game continues to evolve and thrive and, and will be, will be here for forever to me, in my opinion, it's not going. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, the thing that probably encourages me most about what we're seeing as a result of the pandemic and you know there's a lot of talk about this obviously and it's 
you know, a terrible national, international tragedy. It's getting, you know, it's just wrecked, you know, havoc all over the place. But to golf's credit, it had golf has once again uh, found a way to remind people that it is so important to just go out and be in nature with friends and have fun and relax and have downtime. You know, we've, we've gotten, we've gotten some downtime back and it's so critical for everyone, I think, to be able to have some of that. And when you look back across the pond and you see how they live in Scotland and in Ireland and in the, you know, just throughout the UK and all that area, you know, golf is a pastime and it's important. There's an importance to appreciating downtime. And, you know, I, I always love that line, you know, in golf in the kingdom, you know, he talks about, uh, that it's a game for the in-between, you know, and most of our time is in-between. And I just think when I look at, at, at the future of golf in America and I look at what we're going through with the pandemic, my greatest hope is that people, while they're going out and spending some time on the golf course because they have time available to them, that they'll come away and realize, I really should be doing more of this because it makes me more whole makes my life more whole, makes me feel more complete. It makes me feel more fulfilled. And if golf can open that window up, the game's going to just sail into a whole new stratosphere, I think. And it, it is. And, and you got to be in the right place of mind to receive it. You know, you, Correct. not, not you, but uh, you know, person, each individual, you know, cause you know, I didn't always get it. You know, I'm sure you probably didn't always yep. get it. I, there was a time when I literally teed up, teed it up to simply try to shoot a score right and i always say i i always would, my goal was to break 80 and if i didn't break 80 i'd break a club you know what i mean like yep. i you mm-hmm. know that you know i i didn't get it and i you know and it was enough times being around my uncle or my dad or my uncle's friends or eventually you have to go away from the game as you're trying to find your career and you're working hard and you you know, I was living in New York and in order to go play guy, I was playing once a month, maybe. And when I did it, eventually over time, you start, you know, you have enough bad scores. You have enough humbling moments that the game will deliver on any moment's notice where you're like, OK, th- this is this is this can't be what this is about. This has to be about something more. And then eventually you go on a buddy's trip and you realize, oh, my God, this you know, I haven't, this is my, this is a connector. You know, when I started doing that story on, they called the ambush uh, for golf digest, which is when I would go out and tell stories about people's buddy trips. I went to, I did 60 of those stories hmm. and I went to every pocket of the country. Um, I mean, from Nebraska to, you know, you name, I mean, yeah, I was, I was in Myrtle beach. I was Bandon dunes, Pinehurst. I was, I was in, uh, Las Vegas, I was in Scottsdale, you know, you name it, I pretty much was there. And, um, and I saw families getting together, I saw them, you know, uh, tributes to people who used to be on the trip who have now died. I saw, you know, cool um, traditions, right, and different ways to, but the the common, you know, the common thread through it all uh, was camaraderie was this uh, uh, fraternity or sorority in some cases or something that felt similar to that, you know? Um, and that's, that, that's when you start, I started realize, come on, this is, you know, and then my, 
you know, I, I started the Uncle Tony Invitational in honor of my Uncle Tony while he was still alive, knowing that I wanted him to know that I was so grateful for him to getting me into the game, that this was going to go on as a tribute to him and all the souls that he had linked through the game of golf because he got me into the game of golf, you know. So Uncle Tony is really, you know, I we always start every Uncle Tony Invitational with this tribute video to him, which is like, if it wasn't for him, none of us would be in the room right now. You know what I'm saying? You know, mm-hmm. that, you know, you start getting that, you start understanding that. And then if you're open to that, if you're in that place in life uh, and, and you play golf, well then, then what you're going to get is so much more than you can ever give back. And that's why, you know, you and I think have talked about this, but like for us, like we're going to try to give back as much as the game has given to us, but it was, it's never going to happen. We're never going to achieve that. We're never going to give back more than we get because we've gotten so much and we continue to do so and will for our entire life. It's awfully fun to try though, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, and that we are going to die <laughs> trying, you know, and mm-hmm. you've got that moment with your grandfather and I've got moments with my dad and my uncles, uncle Bill, who's uncle Tony's brother-in-law still comes on our trip and uh, he's 81 and he had a putt to shoot his age at the sheep ranch um because we had benign conditions and he mm. got on a heater and he's got a great short game and i mean he had a putt and you know the, i didn't play with him that day but the people who did i just talked to one of the guys today and he's he of all the things that he was recounting about that uncle tony invitation which were abandoned dunes for five days and so you can imagine all the fun stuff that happens he said his main highlight was watching uncle bill have a putt to shoot his age at sheep ranch you know what I mean? Yeah. Like oh, what yeah. in that so cool? That was Uncle Bill's lowest round of his life. <laughs> <laughs> that's incredible. I mean, that's 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 yeah. the magic, man. Yeah, it's that's magic. The... It's magic. Mm-hmm. It's magic. No doubt. Uh we got the wishbone brawl coming up at Goat Hill Park. Um, oh, yeah. that we're gonna that, that's coming up in November. We're gonna tape it in November twenty-third and drop it the Sunday after Thanksgiving. But you remember last year Jeff Ogan oh, aced incredible. the first hole of a playoff. Uh, Xander Shopley, uh, Chris Riley, Dean Wilson, and Jeff Ogilvie, you know, and they talk about a community, you know, playing persimmon woods at, a, at this local golf course that they save, you know. So, I mean, that's the kind of stuff that's all there for you. If, 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 if you're into that, the game of golf is here for you. Yeah. I mean, that's, there was this great photo that someone took from that last year and it's, Ogilvy sitting there holding the ball and he's got this look in his eye like an 11 year old kid you know what I mean and you just can see that wonderment and you're like man that is so damn cool yeah uh, this is a guy who won you know world golf championships at US yeah. Open God only knows how many other things he's and I guarantee you if you asked him today this is one of his top highlights in his life in golf <laughs> no doubt about it swish yeah. Yeah. swish game over walk, walk off, off. That's cool. Who all you got coming out this year for that? It's going to be uh, Xander Shoffley and Dean Wilson versus Charlie Hoffman and Chris Riley. So two oh, guys versus uh, Dean and Xander who've played, they've had this same foursome again. And I think they're also working on a, another potential uh, f- uh, female twosome. So a female team um, oh, nice. as well. It's just, it's just a little complicated with COVID and yeah. they, they, it, it just, but they still want to get it done and still want to raise money for charity. And, uh, and Xander and, and uh, is really taking this on 
as kind of his his thing and it's been really fun to see and just be a small part of as just an observer and and uh quote promoter i guess you could say but i i mean it's it's i mean it, we're, we're talking about trying to get more wishbone brawls all over the country with local oh, pros yeah. who play these these municipal type courses like we're talking about think about trevor immelman and nick faldo or you know annika sorts of coming out to winter park nine and playing a you know a nine hole you know would you watch that them playing winter park nine for charity how great would oh, that be like why so cool. wouldn't why wouldn't we have more of these type events <clears throat> at local munis in which uh you know the name players um sort of uh you know kind of become one with the town that they live in you know what i mean man one of my favorite memories growing up was at our nine hole golf course small town my uncle, this is back when he was he was playing on the tour, and he brought in, I don't know, 12 or 15 guys, uh, you know, from some of them were, you know, uh, Nike tour guys, and some of them were, were sort of that uh, bouncing back and forth in the big tour, and they came in and descended on our little place for a couple of days and had this really cool pro-am, and I remember I was, I was probably like 14 years old, and uh, the team I was on, we got into the shootout in the Pro-Am. And the way we ended up settling it all up was we played uh, the last two holes on the course backwards <laughs> with all these pros out there, balls flying around everywhere, man. And I uh, chipped in on the last hole to win the damn thing. And everybody went nuts. I mean, it was just the coolest thing. And it's like, man – that's what it's all about, man. That's what it's all about. And so when I see pros like, you know, Xander or those guys who are doing that, who are embracing that level community, I think about that. I'm like, man, that I'm rooting for that. That's the kind of professional golfer I'm rooting for always. Yeah. Well, that, yeah, those guys all hang out afterward. Last year, like 700 people out there at the wishbone ball. This this will be the fourth year and we're going to, we're, you know, we're going to miss the crowd, obviously, but we're going to still sort of try to tell the story and raise money. But, the, you know, Ogilvy, those guys all hung out after we went out to dinner. We sat around the fire pit later at the go-to park. I mean, you know, it, it's not every professional golfer loves playing golf, right? I mean, yeah. sometimes, oh, yeah. it's a, sometimes it's a job for them. But mm-hmm. guys like Xander, who still has that that kid, that kid in him, that's really obvious, right? We saw it in Jordan Spieth for a long time. We saw it in Rory McIlroy for a long time. We saw it in Tiger Woods for a long time. The, the kid in them uh, lives in there. And, you know, Jeff Ogilvy's a guy that takes trip to Bandon Dunes, carries his own bag, does a little travel. You know, like, those guys love the game. They, yeah. And they love the game like we love the game. They talk about the game like we're talking about the game. They're ta- You know what I'm saying? They, they, you know, if you go to Victoria Golf Club, which is where Jeff's member in Melbourne, like you realize, oh my God, anybody who comes from here is a golfer. This is about golf. This, this is in your, this is in the blood. You know what I mean? Like it's about all that we're talking about. And uh, I don't know that when you, when you, when you get guys that are at the professional level who have that kind of energy and attitude, that's infectious. You know, that's Mm -hmm. hard. That's hard. Like you said, you root for that. Yeah. Well, and when a, I think about kids in particular, you know, when a kid sees that you can, you know, still be a kid in golf when you're, you know, when you're like your uncle, 81 years old, uh, 
that's really encouraging. You know what I mean? That's that's how people get hooked on the game, and oh yeah, that's that's what it's all about. Yeah. Well, man, I think you're uh, you're you're set up to spread some more of that gospel on the way to uh, on the way to the West Coast next week. I'm I'm just <laughs> thrilled for your journey, man. It's so cool. Uh, yeah, it's going to be fun. I, I that that is really kind of the idea. Is like we're got we're driving it anyway. We might as well. We might as well just, you know, hey, try to meet, you know, try to meet meet up with some old friends, make some new friends, and uh, and I, I really love, you know, as as you know, and you feel the same. I just love, you know, I love it, and I'm, you know, in social media, the game is social, and here we have social media, you know, at a time when the uh, when the game is going through this this massive evolutional evolutionary phase, and um, you know, you put something out like on Twitter, and and you get all these comments, you get all this immediate reaction you're like god this is amazing this is really amazing yeah. this is really cool this is really i'm really i love all these uh golf courses each one of them has their own separate story uh they all it's a culture right it, within that community it be, that course is part of the culture and so tr- travel as i've always said is the greatest form of education and uh you know we're in the same country but i'll be going from state to state and here we are have all this the political you know, bullshittery that's happening right now. But at the end of the day, <laughs> you know, the common ground can be found, you know, I don't give a shit who you voted for or what your politics are. You know, if you want to come out to this skins game, we're going to throw 20 bucks in and then it doesn't matter. It doesn't yep. matter. We're trying to get, we're trying to get the ball. And as my uncle said, it's about getting the ball in the hole, just get the ball in the hole and try to be, try to get that ball in the hole faster than everybody else. And then, you know, at the end of the day, we'll, We'll sit around and we'll we'll talk about like what we should have done or what we could have done or how we should have done. I mean, you know, it's going to be golf. Yeah, man, you just you just can't beat it. That's I, I love that uh, uh, way to kind of frame it all up, man. It, you know, yeah, the, there's so much talk about division and all this other <laughs> horse shit, and I'm just like, man, I literally tweeted it this morning. It's day after the election. I'm like. Go play golf today. You'll feel a lot better about everything. <laughs> he will. You just will. You know, will. it's the truth. You will. And go, um, yeah, go out as a single and meet a few people. And, you know, yeah. like, I, 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 you know, again, I, 28 guys on our buddy's trip. I can only imagine how many different people were voted differently on that trip. But, you know, we never talked politics. Yeah. <laughs> it was, we had fire pits and we had music and we had camaraderie and we had a little competition and we were changing partner. We had a putting course, we had a short course. We were in the greatest places on planet earth, which is Bandon Dunes. And just sort of, it was, it wasn't political. It was spiritual. And how good is that? Yeah. Um, Totally, totally with you on that vibe. Well, <laughs> when you're uh, when you when you hang a left on I-10 uh, next week, if you uh, want to come come see my fire pit up here, would love love to have you come meet some of the guys and hang out. Uh, might, might take you up on that. We'll be rolling through on Saturday, I believe. So we will. We'll oh, be yeah. right on. I think we. I think we take I-10 for quite a while. Oh yeah, <laughs> you're going. You're going to be on there for point. a long yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, stop on through in the capital city. We'll give you a proper Florida send off. Cool, Jay. Well, always a pleasure to catch up, bud, and uh, keep up all your great work. And if you know, obviously, if there's anything I can do, I'm always, uh, I'm always uh, here for you. I can, you know, whatever I can do, I'm happy. And uh, I appreciate all your support and uh, and again, all your energy and attitude towards the game because uh, we all win and we are all in this together. So, no doubt. Well, I appreciate it, Maddie, and uh, safe journeys on the road. And hopefully, we'll get to see you uh, along the way, pal. Thanks, Jay. Talk to you soon, buddy. All right. 
Right, Be good. Bye-bye. Bye.